it's Friday night. A lot of people uh, call this prep day because tomorrow is a seven-day Sabbath. I don't really have time to do any of that. but So I'm doing this podcast instead, like I said I would. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the calling down fire and... The and this basically is referring to Constantine, how he called down fire. I'm going to go over that a little bit, and then I'm going to uh, talk about the relevancy of the fire and what the fire symbolizes, and the different ways that it is uh, th- that it's possible to call down fire. So I usually do this in 30 minutes. Uh, that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, I'm going to take a little excerpt for, uh, from a website called ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. It goes over uh, Constantine's vision shortly before the Battle of the Milvian, Milvian Bridge or Milvian Bridge. Uh, so basically, there was a little bit of a Christianity in his family prior to him converting. But right before he was about to fight... Uh, uh, who uh, I forget who it was, Maxentius or something. Uh, he was a. Uh, everybody was doing paganism, and he knew about Christianity, and he wanted to win. So he just he just made a prayer in front of all of his troops, and he was like, "I, I know there's only one God because, you know, he, he felt. It says he felt bound to honor his father's God because of all the pagan practices going on around him. So he basically he just prayed for whatever that God was to reveal himself. And that's basically when the, uh, the vision actually occurred and knowing that that is, uh, taking God in his name in vain, according to basically the pattern that we're seeing in each commandment being altered throughout this, uh, portion of revelation chapter 13. Um, so Constantine, he did in fact, whether he did it unknowingly, or not because you know he was wanting to win and he was in earnest need of it but he wasn't following the commandments when he did so he did call down fire now so that would be taking god's name in vain okay so when we look at well what's the fire well that that would be god uh that says that in exodus it says it in proverbs and also says it in the book of hebrews um I tried to explain this in basic, easy, bulletproof Google terms. Uh, if you do want to go out there and read it, there's a lot uh, mixed up in Hebrews. And Isaiah, Isaiah, there's a lot of uh, relevancy in Isaiah, which most people would know that. Uh, there's a reason why I'm having to go back. I, I, I with, with all these details corresponding to all these verses, you have to have some sort of piece of evidence. And that's that's what I'm doing is I'm supplying these pieces of verses that fit into like this whole narrative. Like when it's, you know, when it's God breathed or God inspired, God breathed will be more of a prophetic language sense. Um, with the fire being God and Constantine did calling down fire, that being taking God's name in vain, are there any other stipulations when it comes to it? 
with, as I said earlier, the Ten Commandments being broken down into two categories. The Torah is the same way. There's laws regarding God or the theology in the Torah. So, even looking, like in, in Exodus, we see an example of, uh, you know, the jealousy of God when it, de when it deals with his name. He says, don't let his name be uttered from your, don't let him hear you say another guy's name. Now, that's not saying, well, I can't sit here and talk about Marduk. That's not what it's saying. When you read Revelations, even in the book of Psalms, uh, both of those books all say that your prayers are like incense. Uh, that's kind of, it's got a little mysterious feel to it, if you ask me, like in, uh, when I think about incense and prayers. But we're given this code to see that, well, what are all these things to call down fire? And now we got another one. Don't let him hear another God's name on your lips. Now, that, if that is praying, then that would be your prayers. They're going to go to him regardless, because in this theology, there would be only be one God. So you can see here and you can pray to Marduk, but it's still going to go to God because there is no Marduk. So when it gets to him, he's going to hear you say another God's name. And that's something that Exodus forbids. And it, I believe it even says that in Proverbs as well. Um, I have a hard time really talking about this one. Uh, just like I deal with the graven images, like it's pretty, it gets pretty much, it's, it's more about an acceptance or not really an acceptance. It's more about a relearning because there has been so many changes since, you know, like what, 30 AD or six, uh, 90 AD or 100 the first century there's been so many changes that's occurred to this this religion that everybody ain't going to be right you're not going to find like it, it got it's gotten so divided that if all this were to go down tomorrow a lot of people are going to be like clueless because they were taught that like, I, I haven't seen, I, I cannot understand how the United Nations has anything to do with Revelations, but that's been a very popular thing. I don't see it. I don't even understand it. I don't think they're smart enough. I don't. I don't see it because we're in, like, there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now because of Corona, and I highly doubt that this is like implemented by man i don't think anybody's smart enough for this but that's just that's just my take on things with the taking the name in vain though we have been how how can i explain this With way the way that people think taking God's name in vain now by saying such thing as God damn it or God God darn it or any anything like that, that's not how the English language works. It's not subject 
followed by a verb usually acts upon whatever follow is followed by what the verb leads to. It's not like I cut the grass. It's not saying the grass cut me. Saying, God damn it, that's not saying I'm damning God. That's not how the English language works. And we have been led to believe that that's how it works. Like when people, when people do say, God damn it, they get this sense of power. Okay, you get, it's like this sense of, I, I, I don't know how, how to explain it, but people, they say it when they get angry, when they get frustrated, and it, and it, and it doesn't really cause any release when they're angry, like at an inanimate object. Like I've hit my thumb with a hammer a couple of times and said a bunch of words, but it's not something that's taking God's name in vain. Like, God isn't his name. Like, he even tells you to, like, a lot of people are going out there and looking to find out what his name is, whether it's Yah or Yahweh or Jehovah or Yahuwah. It doesn't matter. It, but he does say, like, I refer to him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that should be simple enough because if we look at the like chronological order of events, he first revealed himself to Abram. And it, he revealed himself to Abram because, you know, Abram pretty much... You know, if you read the book of Jasher, he pretty much called BS on everything that was going on. Like, he didn't believe in none of it. And so God revealed himself to him, changed his name, made a promise, and said, just be patient. Don't attach yourself to anything. No graven images, no other gods. And just, you know, if you believe I created the earth in seven days and rest on the seventh day. And just be patient until then. That's something that's been like that, that. That's the uh, that's the covenant. That's the everlasting covenant that's mentioned numerous times. Numerous times it, it talks about how they have broken my everlasting covenant throughout the land, and that that's I, I believe that's in that's in a lot of books. To be honest with you, but. We see, we see a change in the Ten Commandments in the Catholic Church. We see the word Lord popping up. Like this, this change that didn't really need to be made. It didn't like it, it was something that had to be gone out of the way to be done. Now, I know that in the Bible, God says, I am the Lord, and he, he capitalizes that. <clears throat> so, that, I, I feel like that's even more mockery, because when we study where Lord comes from, Lord is also linked to Marduk. Marduk also goes by B, uh, Bell, uh, which is spelled B-E-L. Uh, also, um, Lord, uh, if you want to read more about that, 
you'd have to read uh, this one of the books of Daniel, uh, Bell and the Dragon. That, when you study the theology of Marduk, Marduk had a dragon, which, you know, there's a dragon revelation. So you're seeing the, the this dragon character alongside a human. And what's interesting is this dragon is named Mushu, which is the name of the uh, dragon from Mulan, I believe. I think his name is Mushu. But, so, with... Would it be safe to say that, you know, saying Lord in prayer is taking his name in vain? I don't know, but I'd, I would rather be safe. You know, with all these other uh, names following after Baal, Baal, it went to, it went to Baal, and Baal... Baal, the, the image of Baal was similar to the image of Moloch. And these names, these names just keep going. And there's similarities even in the theology. Like, <clears throat> let's see, in Revelations, it talks about in the letter to the Church of Pergamum in Turkey, I know where Satan's throne is. So if you go to Google and you type in throne Pergamum Turkey you're going to not you're going to see the throne of Zeus so if you study a little bit about Greek mythology which should be common at this point I mean even if it ain't just for the movies like if you actually read the books there's there's similarities in that if you read the book of Enoch and, and the theology of a Zeus you got Mount Olympus now Zeus was a horn dog so we compare Mount Olympus to the horn dog angels of Enoch that descended on, on, I forget what the name of the mountain was. I haven't read a book of Enoch in forever. But there's these two mountains with these horn dog deity characters. And, and Zeus, he, he's been represented to be, uh, I think I saw. A painting of him or a sculpture or a vase or something or he had like half a tail or half a fin or something like that like a fish that is from Dagon the uh, fish god of Nineveh Iraq to where Jonah went to or was supposed to preach to but he caused a hard time about it and got ate by a fish but studying Dagon Dagon he basically being a merman God he had a uh, he wore a hat now this hat has also been carried over as the uh, mitra hat or something I don't know how uh, M-I-T-R-E hat uh, I don't know how to pronounce it but <clears throat> there's so many so many names out there of all these gods and they all seem to be like if Moloch was inspired just by the image of, of Baal and Baal was the 
you know, name inspired from Bell and like the golden calf. The golden calf was also inspired by Baal and Moloch. But this calf or this this bull shape, if you study the evolution of the lexicon all the way from the Canaanite era to today, all these letters that have been added to the alphabet and even taken away or even the shape. If you look at the original Canaanite alphabet, the first letter of the alphabet was actually a bull. It was a bull head, which meant, uh, I forgot what it meant, but the last letter was actually a cross. And they say that it meant covenant. I don't know if I trust that, but I got trust issues. That's what they say. But we see these names, whether they're inspired by images or they're inspired by names. They're, 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 they all go back to Marduk. Marduk, remember I said in an earlier episode that names mean things. Marduk means, uh, it, it means like bull god or something like that. So it goes, I don't know why, I don't know why it's a bull. I do not understand that. Maybe it's, maybe it's something to deal with the uh, red heifer sacrifice, uh, I think in Leviticus. I, I don't understand why it's a bull. I know there's, there's, det- there's little switcheroo detestable things like in Egypt, they, the Egyptians didn't like it when they sacrificed lamb, I think. It was something like that. But there, there's these little battles, these little... Like, I don't want to say a little your mama jokes, but there's these battle, like these mockeries going back and forth between all of the theologies. So if we sit here and we trace the sun god, like if we follow the theologies of all the sun gods and we replace them with, you know, the highest deity or maybe the highest deity, we see basically the sun god going all the way to Sol Invictus of Constantine Great, Nimrod basically being put in a dress. Now, that's not making fun of, you know, the LGBTQ community. I don't, I don't have any opinion on them. They're happy. Let them love themselves. They're doing them. They're not hurting nobody. But with this, there is that mockery. And this mockery been recorded going on for over 2,000 years between a God and a man who claims to be God. It is more than a popularity contest it's there's a lot more to it and I don't really want to speak on that in this episode uh, it's something where I'm going to be doing an, a, a, another thing uh, my, my studies took a different turn than I thought it would uh, but I want to go ahead and get that out there I'm actually uh, tracing Nimrod back to his original name, uh, which has been a very interesting turn of events for me. So, 
with this mockery of putting Nimrod in a dress, we do see a switch to where a sun god isn't being worshipped anymore. We're, we're seeing that in, in Zeus. Okay, so if Zeus is, if, if we're going to tie Zeus's uh, throne in Pergamum, Turkey to Satan's throne in Pergamum, Turkey because of revelations, there's got to be this this switch of superiority, superior deities in all these theologies. So that I, I have an opinion. I don't. I don't declare it as fact. I would think Hercules will be more of Nimrod type of feel because of the whole lion killing. That was a very Sumerian thing to do in literature is to kill lions. Like look at the epic of Gilgamesh and the the towers uh, that they've that archaeological teams have unco- undercovered and so many years they've been discovering this stuff since like the late 1800s I, I think. But there's all these similarities in all of these theologies. But with Satan or with Zeus with that whole switch of the deities that is very interesting to me because we see that later on in Revelations. Like, I have to come back to Revelation chapter 13 because when you read that beast that comes up out of the sea, that beast that comes up out of the sea is said to have 10 diadems or 10 crowns, depending on what translation you have, but it's said to have seven horns. So we had 10 to seven, but we had 10 later on because it divides into 10, but three are plucked up. So that's where the seven horns come in. So we got to go back to Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, and then we're going to go through and then see about that little horn that plucks those three up. It's I, I see that in how all those theologies switch from a sun god to a more superior deity being worshipped. We've gone through Marduk. Then then I'm sure there's somebody else before Zeus in another theology. But with the whole switching, it says, even in Daniel, that's just something else I want to go over. I wanted to go over to the properties of Satan. Nobody talks about Satan's properties, about what, like, about his responsibilities. Uh, it's not really responsibilities, it's more char- characteristics. Um, and also his actual name, because it's not, it's not Satan. Satan's like a, it's a nickname for accuser or adversary but there's there's a lot more to this revelation stuff than what people are actually thinking they're understanding Um, there's some people out there that think this is a whole race thing there's a the black Hebrew Israelites or they're It may not be that movement, but there are some radical believers out there that do think this is a race thing. 
and it's not, and it shouldn't be taken that way, and it kind of pisses me off that it is. But with the whole idea about all these names and and calling out fire, taking God's name in vain, what does the Bible say from a positive aspect about prayer? Well, it does say, like, to keep your prayers private. Now, when I when I say private, me, I do it privately. Like, I don't even pray before I eat. Like, I do it privately, and I don't, I don't do it, like, all the time. I know it says pray without ceasing. Um, But it also says uh, he knows what you need before you do. So it also comes down to a faith thing to where you basically have to work for what you want. And then when it gets to be too heavy, then you do it. You can't be spoiled about it. You can't pray for riches. You can't pray to win the lottery ticket. You can't pray for you, you you can't pray for like secular things you can't you can't take it with you your your clothes rot your even your name you can, you don't even take your name with you your name is on the tombstone don't pray for you know competitions and stuff like that that's not something that you should pray for because none of that stuff matters. Stuff that you should pray for is you should pray for people. You should pray for... I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to pray for, honestly, right now. But I think people is the majority of it. Uh, maybe not pray so much for yourself but definitely pray for other people. And if you got a problem with that, maybe just up your faith game. That's not between me and you. But I want to go ahead and end this one. I don't really like talking about like the graven images and the taking the name in vain. Uh, but next one that I do, I want to hurry this along and get this Constantine stuff out of the way and get to the other stuff. Um, Cause this keeps going and it seems to be, it seems to be written in history, but it's almost as if, you know, this was something that had to happen that's that's something else that's going to be talked about um next episode i'm going to try to get it done wednesday i'm going to talk more about uh don't really want to talk about you know the mark of the beast but what i do want to talk about is the sabbath day the mark of the beast with it being uh you know if we're only left with another commandment that deals with some kind of economic value 
and it's linked to the first beast, which is, you know, a sun god, it would, you know, we are looking at a Sunday rest. Now, if you are listening to this and you don't even want to hear it, look, I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's not about worshiping on a Sunday. It's not about that. You can worship. People go to worship on a Wednesday. It's not about worship. It's about rest. And that's something I want to go a little bit into because a lot of people, even when I see people defending the Sabbath, they sound a little bit legalistic to me. And they're forgetting the grace. And I feel like that's something that's going to turn around and bite them in the ass. So that's going to be an interesting thing to talk about. Um, But I'm going to close this one out. Like I said, with taking God's name in vain, it shouldn't be. It's not something that we should go out of our way and say, hey, don't say God damn it like that again. Don't don't do like that. But if they're like you can tell a difference if they're if it's a slip up or they're just doing it obnoxiously. You can tell. You can tell. But that's it for this episode guys. Like I said, I didn't really I don't really enjoy talking about those two commandments. But the next one, and then I'm going to do the the Sabbath, and I'm going to do the knowledge and wisdom. Then I'm going to do the uh, uh, false prophet test. And then I'm going to continue on, and that'll be that for Constant and Great. All right. I will be posting another one Wednesday. Later. Thank you.